Hey guys, it's Taylor Marie Wagner, and you're listening to Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Get ready for a good time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Please like us on Facebook, where you can click the anchor link to leave us a voicemail. You can follow us on Twitter at StayTunedTNH. You can even email the show at StayTunedTNH at gmail.com. You can find our merchandise at tchip.com and by searching Stay Tuned. A big thank you to Jesus Perez for helping to set that up for us. And if you need any artistic help, you can look him up on Facebook at Ace in the Hole Signs and Graphics or Dirty Baby Original. And his website is aceintheholesigns.com. We are available on all major podcast platforms, including Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So please make sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate your support. Now, let's get into the show. All right, and welcome to another week of Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie, and uh, good morning, Troy. Hey, good morning, Howie. So, uh... Oh, by the way, I, I wanted to tell you, uh, I ended up going out to uh, eat last night because uh, we, we had to go to Harrisburg for something. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go check out those Christmas lights that we were talking about last week. Oh, did you? Uh, well, we drove there and uh, the line to get to that person's road was probably backed up a mile. And I'm like, all right, well, we'll sit it out because it should move and everything. Well, I think uh-huh. what people were doing was they were sitting in front of the house and watching the music play out, and then they would move. So I'm thinking, I would probably be sitting here for a couple hours if I were going to go see those lights. And I'm like, it's it's too cold for me to get out of the car and walk up and check it out, so I decided to just turn around. Uh, uh, but I can see it from a distance, and I'll tell you what, it did look pretty cool. It did look really cool. Uh, so That's crazy that that... That's backed up that far. I know. I felt bad for the neighborhood because think about that. You know, those yeah. the neighbors who want to get out and, and go out and do something, they got to sit behind a, a line of cars. They got to be really ticked yeah. off. I know. About, about this neighborhood setting. Damn Griswold's at it again. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> it. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, but I had intentions of going to check it out and uh, – Unfortunately, I would have. It would have been a, an easy couple hour wait, and I was just like, I can't yeah. do that. You'd probably be broadcasting live right now. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're like, <laughs> all right, Troy, I think I'm the next in line. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so um, decided not to do it, and um, but uh, but like I said, from a distance you can see it, and and it does look pretty cool. It does look like it's a worthwhile trip to make. But what I would suggest is pick it on a day that's not so wind chilling. Uh, park mm-hmm. somewhere else in the neighborhood and just take a, a small hike to it and check it out in person yeah. like that. Or maybe it's not as bad too if it's not a weekend night. Also, oh, that's true. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, yeah, so uh, but you know they're definitely in the Christmas spirit. I can tell you that. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, uh, I don't know. Um, have you noticed that there are a lot more lights up and such, like Christmas decorations? It does, and... it does seem that there's more. Yes, yeah, it does. I'm wondering if that has a lot to do with like the pandemic going on. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, and to be honest, there's not really as much to do. No. Um, 
you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So maybe that has, like, people have a little bit more time on their hands. So, oh, you know what? I'll stay home today and put some lights up or whatever, yep. you know? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. So, so but yeah. Um, but I guess there was a, another date in this history that, you know, we'll play on our mystery clip uh, that happened this week. Um, and uh, it was, uh, a, you know, obviously a pretty serious event. It, it was the cause of us uh, going into uh, World War II. Yeah, yeah, it was a big thing, and um, we actually have a clip here of what it sounded like um, as this was broke, the news broke on the radio, Yeah, and uh, this, this is an example of what everybody heard at that time. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, by air. President Roosevelt has just announced. The attack also was made on all naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. We take you now to Washington. The details are not available. They will be in a few minutes. The White House is now giving out a statement. The attack apparently was made on all naval and on naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. The president's brief statement was read to reporters by Stephen Early the President's secretary. A Japanese attack upon Pearl Harbor naturally would mean war. Such an attack would naturally bring a counterattack, and hostilities of this kind would naturally mean that the President would ask Congress for a declaration of war. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, he sure did. And think about that. Um, that was back in the day without social media. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so the only way to get news was on the radio. So a lot of those folks were hearing that information for the first time. So could you imagine sitting by your radio, uh, which is what families did back in the day. They would literally sit mm-hmm. by the radio, listen to music, and uh, and all of a sudden that broadcast comes on, and they're telling you that we were just bombed, you know, basically for the first time ever in American history. We were bombed on our soil. And... Uh, and it's forcing us to probably go into a world war. Uh, And think about all the folks that were, you know, probably had to be frightened out of their lives, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, think about, about like, that 17, 18-year-old person that's in school knowing that I'm probably going to be drafted to go into the war. Yeah. And, and you know, for for people that are probably our age, the thing you can probably most relate it to is 9-11. Yeah. but when 9-11 happened with, you know, television and and uh, even the, the little bits of whatever connection we had with people at that time, it was a lot easier for word to travel. Like, it was probably a little different then. Yeah, I um, would agree. I don't know that, you know, I don't know that everybody had radios. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't I don't know what the what the setup, setup and scenario right. was back then. And I don't know that everybody was even listening to the radio right there. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of people probably found out the next day in the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would imagine. Yeah. So, so that was... Um, that was uh, from yeah. December 7th, 1941. And then, obviously, the uh, the next uh, thing that we'll play here is uh, the very next day when uh, President Roosevelt uh, gave his declaration to Congress. So uh, if you have that, go ahead and play it, Troy. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941... A date which will live in infamy. Yeah. United States. Yeah. yeah. So 
a day that will live in infamy. And you know, he was when he was writing that, uh, or actually somebody wrote, helped write his speech, and mm-hmm. uh, and I forget what the word was used instead of infamy, but there was a word that was written there. And when he was rereading that speech, um, I think um, he was kind of like a progressive president, from what I'm gathering. And uh, he looked at that speech and was like, you know what, the way it's written here, this is not going to grab the attention and and show how serious of an event that just took place if I read it as is. So he crossed out whatever that word was and replaced it with the word infamy. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. And uh, he did that, like, um, I, I want to say, like, minutes before giving his speech. He was oh, like, wow. yeah, so he's like, you know what, this this is how it needs to be read. Yeah. You know. And and as, you know, as we stated to this day, like it's, that's a, those are very famous words. A day that will live in infamy. Yeah, yeah. And that was, um, and that was written within 24 hours of reading yeah. that speech, you know, um, very much like, uh, in fact, it was probably the, the most famous speech since uh, Abraham Lincoln's four scores and seven years ago speech, you know, I would say, yeah, except, and, yeah, it's definitely yeah. in that in that same category, yeah. And, and also to come, another thing to come out of um, of that um, after after Japan did bomb Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. was um, the the Japanese president. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you remember what he was famous for saying after that? No, I don't. He said, "I am a, I'm afraid we've awoken a sleeping giant." Uh, yes. Yeah. And he would be correct. <laughs> yes. He would be correct. Uh, what, but, but like you were reading and, and we were talking about it before the show, uh, you know, it took four years for us to, yeah. to go the route of basically ending that war, which was when we dropped the atomic bombs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, uh, I, I don't know if it just got to the point where we said enough is enough and yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if that was the plan all along. Like, hey, you know, you guys came in here, sneak attacked us, and did all this. So mm-hmm. we're gonna get you back one way or another. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's. I'll tell you, that's that's a trip. One one day that I would like to make to Hawaii is uh, to visit those memorials. Now, do they do they um do they still use that as a naval base there, or is it literally just a memorial at this point? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I would imagine they have to have some type of naval base out there just because yeah. it's, you know, it's a form of defense. It's a it's a pretty important location for defense. Sure. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I would imagine there's still a naval base. And I know we have military installations in Japan now. See, I, you and I were kind of talking, and, I, you know, I probably learned all this stuff so many years ago and don't remember it, but uh, uh-huh. that was before Hawaii was even a state, correct? You mean the bombing of Pearl Harbor? Yeah, yeah. Is that just maybe a territory at that point? Or? You know what? I think you're right. I think you're right because I almost think Hawaii became a state. I want to say like 1952-ish. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking it was sometime in the 50s. Yeah. Um. Do you remember who who we purchased that from, or was that always just a territory of ours, and then we made it a state? Or do, I, do you know any of that information? I do not. I do not okay. know. I wonder if that had something to do with making it a state at that point, like mm-hmm. um, after the bombing, being like, you know what, maybe we should, uh, you know, make this a state, make this, and yeah, because 
my guess is they probably really never planned on it being a state. They probably just planned on it being a lookout point mm-hmm. so that in case anybody was trying to come over and get them type of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. What a lookout um, point, man. I mean... <laughs> admitted, admitted to the Union in 1959. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And Alaska was when? I wonder. Um... Well, if that, I think it was 58. I think it was like a year before. Oh, okay. See, I would have guessed Alaska to be after, but... Um, I'll look it up here real quick, but I'm pretty sure Alaska was 49. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. And, oh, and, Jan- Jan- January 3rd, 1959. Okay. Um, that's Alaska. Uh-huh. And then Hawaii, it, it was 59, but I don't remember the exact um, date. See, Alaska makes a lot of sense, too, because obviously it's so close to Russia, and that was the height of the Cold War, you know. August 21st, 1959. Okay. So, so just, you know, a few months later in that year, that's... Hmm. Yeah, we went from 48 yeah. to 50 real quick. Yeah, that's just, and that's and that's the last time anything's been added in a while. And um, Yeah. I, I don't know all the reasons for like why Puerto Rico and stuff isn't added as a, as a state at this point. Like it, I don't know. It just, well, I, when you look at Puerto Rico and I have a friend who is from Puerto Rico and, uh, mm-hmm. he kind of gives me the backstory on it. And, uh, his, his belief is Puerto Rico hasn't become a state because, um, because they have a lot of, um, independence, they have a lot of choices when it comes to taxes and such, and mm-hmm. and why why become a state when we are still kind of part of the United States and still receiving all their benefits? Why become a state and have to pay out? You know, when it comes to like taxes and such, why not just uh, enjoy the the hand me downs that they already give us? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't know enough to really speak on it intelligently. But I would think that they have to pay something in order to receive stuff. Yeah, though, right. Yeah, there's there's some things that they pay, but they don't pay like what we would call it, like a state tax. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, how can you get a state tax if you're not a state? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yet, but yet, I believe they are uh, able to vote and such. I don't know. Oh, really? I I, I want to say they are, but I'm not sure. That's interesting. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't remember seeing, like, like, in the presidential election map, like, I don't remember yeah, seeing Puerto Rico as having any electoral like, candidates. Yeah, I know. And I, don't think they ha- and I don't think they have any representatives in the House or Congress or anything like that. Well, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious to check that out to see what kind of rights they have in the regards. And maybe that is the one thing that they don't have. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that would be my guess that they probably don't. Yeah. Well, hey, um, if anybody's listening that wants to uh, send us a, you know, uh, an email or, or a message on Facebook, you know, let us know because I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's something we could look up, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, so we want to get into uh, talking about our guest here a little bit. Oh this my week, gosh, huh? yeah, um, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I would say, in fact, I I sent her a message thanking her uh, for, uh, you know, for a great interview and. I basically mm-hmm. said that, you know, thanks, you know, and I'm sorry you're a Tennessee Titans fan or something along those lines. <laughs> so she got a kick out of that. 
but yeah. yeah, she she is a Tennessee Titans fan, and uh, and actually she's a pretty big football fan. She's in what yeah. two fantasy leagues, yeah. uh, and uh, and she's a huge fan of uh, Derrick Henry, which yeah, who who wouldn't be? Man. Yeah, especially if you're a Titans fan. Yeah, right? oh my gosh, yeah, I would love to have a running back like that on my team. Yeah, so, well, you used to. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's true. <laughs> Maybe not quite as fast as him, though. But... No, no, but he can run people over like him. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, of course, this week we're talking about Sarah Harrelson. Yes. And uh, Sarah Sarah Harrelson has a, um, a new single out called Frosty, and uh, she'll talk about that on uh, during our interview. And, uh, you know, if you're going to look that up and you're going to play it, don't don't be expecting a Frosty the Snowman type of song. Yeah, so, but it is it is. Um, it does know, have a Christmas jingle. To yeah, it, though, it does like have a Christmas jingle yeah. to it. So, uh, so and, and uh, that's it's a very interesting take on a on a holiday song. It's, yeah, yeah, and uh, um, and it was released November twenty seventh. So uh, very very yeah, recently, it's, it's it's fresh out of the box, as you can say, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it was kind of interesting. We got to hear, you know, a little bit about her and and uh, why she moved to Nashville and all that. So, uh, mm-hmm. I think you guys are going to kick out of the interview with her. Uh, very talented artist, and uh, that's one thing I'm noticing. Troy is some of these people that we're interviewing. You know, whether it's her, um, you know, it looks like we're going down the country road here. But you know, whether yeah. it's her or um, Wildfire or. Um, um, Taylor Marie Wagner, uh, you know, or even even the other artists that we have interviewed, like Sinkin and uh, and your buddy out of Jonestown, you know, Nick Knight. Uh, Nick Knight, yeah. Um, yeah. These are all guys that have a lot of talent, but they they just need to get noticed and acknowledged, and and people got to give them a break because um, they're they're as good as anybody else that's on the radio, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely, yeah, and and it just kind of boils down to um, getting noticed and getting um, the opportunity, or you know, as we've found from a couple different people that we've interviewed too, just bumping into somebody at the right time. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so hmm. it's kind of a shame because the talent can take you to a certain point, but until you meet the right person or something happens to fall your way. Yeah. Um, a lot of times you're just not, you know, you, you may be just as talented as, you know, the next person out there that's huge, um, you know. <laughs> so true. I'm not trying to think of a name, but whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's like, um, you know, Trisha Yearwood or Garth Brooks or, you know, anybody like that along the country realm. Right. Um, a lot of times, you know, the other people that we're interviewing have just as much talent or have just as much as, as a, ability yeah, but they just haven't met all the right people and gone down all the right roads yet. So. I know, and uh, it's you know it's it's nice to see like people you know, and we see wildfire on on social media all the time. I mean, they're promoting like crazy. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, I, I hope it's just a matter of time till they get noticed. I don't know why they haven't yet, but uh, yeah, but I think they will. I think they will. And it yeah, looks, I think so too. Yeah, and. As I told you, when they they just released their new song a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I really liked it. I thought it was a great, great written song, and I was expecting. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, full disclosure here, I don't really listen to country radio. Yeah, me um, Outside of here, so is it possible that it could be getting played somewhere on some different radio stations? Probably, I would imagine somewhere down locally, they're probably yeah. trying to play it. That's true. You know, yeah. Um, 
but I, I would have thought, you know, that listening to that song, there's no reason that couldn't be a commercially played song. Yep, I know? agree. I agree. And uh, so. And and same thing, you know, with our with our guest now, oh, you know, Sarah absolutely. Harrelson. I think she's, in my opinion, she seems like she's a little bit even closer on the verge because she does have a record label. Uh, she does, I mean, her co-writer, just like Taylor Marie, you know, um, her her writing partners, um, the guy from, uh, um, oh, what's his face, uh, Three Doors Down. No, Shooter um, um, Jennings band. Oh no, I'm thinking from, uh, Taylor. Taylor has oh, that. Oh, Taylor, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she co-wrote a song with the guy from Three Wars Down. Yeah, right? and then we have Sarah, you know, who co-writes with uh, lead guitarist from Garth Brooks, Johnny Garcia, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so she's got, she's she's in the right circle. I think it's just a matter of her uh, getting getting that notice and getting that, um, that break, as you will. And, mm-hmm. you know, and she's, like I said, she seems very talented, and, and she definitely has the look. You know, to uh, to um, go far as well, and I, I know it sounds like self centered and, and whatnot, but you know, I, I think that that look really does play a huge role in in going to that next level. You know, you got to be an entertainer. Yeah. You got to you got to have that that look to to show on the stage, and I, and I think well, in fact, I would say all the country artists that we have interviewed have that. Yeah, it yeah, I would I would agree with that, and and the other thing with with. Um, Sarah was too she seemed very um she seemed like she was very calm and yeah and knew the path that she was on and wanted to take you, yeah do, do you feel you know what I'm saying like, yeah I do I, I do and she's very comfortable I mean you know this isn't her main living but yet she is working in the music industry you know right. as as her job as her full-time job so yeah, yeah I think I think she's got that calm approach because she seems like she's content not satisfied, but content in the current road that she's on right now, and uh, yeah. and as she continues to you know get noticed more and you know and I, and I don't want to spoil by talking about the whole interview, but you know as she starts to get noticed more and uh, and people start introducing her to the right people, uh, I think it really is just a matter of time till you see her name on the uh, on the big stage. Yeah, I agree. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, so that's uh, that's Sarah Harrelson, and uh, look her up. Her uh, last name is spelled uh, H-A-R-R-A-L-S-O-N, and Sarah, mm-hmm. S-A-R-A-H. So look her up on YouTube, Spotify. She's on all the major platforms. So uh, yep. take a listen and uh, see if uh, see if your opinions agree with ours, and, and let her know. Let, let Sarah know that you've heard it here. And uh, so... Without further ado, I say let's uh, let's take you to the uh, interview, Troy. And uh, yes, sir. yep. And uh, we'll we'll uh, play uh, that interview with Sarah right after this message. All right, welcome to uh, another interview here with uh, Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. And uh, this week uh, we have a country artist out of Nashville, uh, Sarah Harrelson. How you doing, Sarah? Did I say that name correctly, by the way? You did, yeah. You did great. Some right. people mess it up. Spelling's <laughs> different, but yeah. All right. Spot on. Awesome. I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Just a long week for me. Uh, I don't know. Do you? Are you a football fan at all? I am, and I play fantasy football. I'm in two leagues right now, so it's really throwing me off with the Ravens game. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, so up here in PA, you know, I'm a Steelers fan. So, uh, yeah, it's been just, it's been crazy with uh, how football has been going. So are you a, are you a Titans fan? I am, yes. I grew up in uh, East, East Tennessee in Knoxville and uh, also was from Alabama before that. So I grew up as a college football fan. Oh, yeah. And then I got more into pro when I moved here to Nashville. Okay, nice. Well, um, I, I know Tennessee has uh, – Troy, by the way, is a uh, huge Buffalo Bills fan. And uh, oh, okay. I know between the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers, my team – uh, you know, you your team kind of uh, did a lot of screwing us over with that COVID stuff. <laughs> I just wanna just wanna put that out there for you. <laughs> I know they're just spreading it everywhere, and I think that's why the Ravens keep having to postpone. Yeah, I know, there. I know. Yeah. So, oh wow. So, um, so who's your favorite player? Probably Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a beast, isn't he? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that guy's that guy's insane to bring down. Yeah. So uh, you say you're from Knoxville, Tennessee? Yes. Yeah, okay. that's where I'm originally from. Nice. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, I was just in uh, in Tennessee last year for vacation, and I'll, I'll tell you what: the more times I go there, uh, honestly, the the more I want to stay. It's just a it's just a really cool state. I don't know what your thought process is. Is it somewhere you want to just live for the rest of your life or, or what's your goal? It is mostly just because, you know, music cities in the heart of it and Tennessee's kind of good, um, in a good location because it's kind of close to other different States. Um, not too far of a drive from the beach if you want to go there and, the Smoky Mountains, where I'm from, are just so beautiful. So yeah. it's definitely always a place I'll call home. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's in fact, that's where I, I spent my uh, vacation. I was down in uh, uh, Pigeon Forge, uh, mm-hmm. Tennessee, which is, yeah, it's just amazing down there. I can't get enough of it. So, yeah, they're still kind of growing since the uh, big fire, yeah. which I think was maybe four years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went there in September and it's still just as beautiful, even though it's still kind of yep. growing in. So. Yeah, sure is. In fact, I, I, when, uh, I, I went down, I was down there on vacation about four years ago. It was like two months after the wildfires. And, uh, um, yeah, uh, from, from the time that that happened to now, it's just amazing how it, you wouldn't know it unless someone mentioned it to you. So, right. It's awesome down there. Yeah. Can't get enough. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, um, we obviously aren't talking vacation and football with you. So, uh, <laughs> a little bit more topics, to you. Though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, you know, I understand, uh, you, you're a country singer, aren't you? I am. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, I, I found this really interesting about, um, you know, who you were, um, discovered by, uh, Scotty Schultz. Yes, I was. Yeah, he was kind of the first uh, big mentor I had in Nashville. Yeah, and I guess Scotty Schultz, that's Waylon Jennings' uh, son. So, Scotty was the drummer for um, Shooter Jennings, and Shooter's the son of Waylon. Oh, there you go. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so there's that connection. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, And then, uh, so so what, uh, like, how did that happen? Like, what, what kind of possessed him so to speak to to be able to discover you and what were you doing when uh when he discovered you 
Yeah, so the crazy thing about Nashville is most of the time when uh, something happens, it's because you made like a random connection <laughs> with someone. Like nine times out of ten, it's how you meet someone randomly and what becomes of it. Yeah. So I think um, I was on some music social media page, which a lot of musicians and everyone's on here in Nashville. But um, yeah, I guess a few years ago, um, Scotty was saying he was opening up his publishing company and wanted people to pitch songs to him. So I pitched my song. Uh, I think it was Watered Down Whiskey. I just had like uh, okay. like a little demo of it and he listened to it and he reached out to me and said he really loved it and wanted to do his own version of a demo to it to pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met with him and we did that. And then um, he decided he wanted to sign me to a three song um, publishing deal. So he would um, re-record those three songs and then pitch them to major labels. So Mm -hmm. that was my first um, small publishing deal in Nashville. And I think that was in 2015 and I was still, I was still at Belmont. So I was still in college and very fresh and writing definitely different songs (laughs) back then. So that was definitely kind of my first uh, experience kind of putting on, you know, bigger shoes in the music industry. Sure. And how scary is that, by the way, when now all of a sudden you might be getting approached by bigger deals? And uh, was that was that intimidating to you at all? It was very intimidating because I was still pretty fresh to the scene and, you know, hadn't written with many bigger people yet. So um I was still kind of getting equipped to who I was as a writer and an artist uh, and very fresh and innocent. So he was definitely a good mentor to mm. have for um, my first mentor. Okay. Yeah, you, hear, you hear some horror stories when people first sign with people and they don't really know what they're getting into. Um, did, did you do a little research there to make sure you were getting yourself in a good situation or did you just kind of hope for the best? Yeah, luckily I um, was in Belmont and my major was music business, so I kind of had an idea through my classes, like what contract should be like, and he, Uh you know, just as a person, just straight up seemed like, you know, he wanted what's best for me, and, you know, if something were to happen further outside of our own deal, like, you know, it was going to be fine, like no hard Hmm. feelings, so I definitely had trust in him um but there was no weird terms in the contract but um that's definitely something that a lot of new artists in town yeah. that don't really have that experience kind of fall into the trap because there's it's so complex the different uh mm-hmm. you know terms and legality of the music business so if you don't know it you can definitely fall into some like a weird sticky situation which has happened to so many people I know one time I got like a letter saying that they wanted me to pay to record my own songs but then they wanted to keep like a percentage of the publishing and I just ignored it but like, there's, there's really? so many different traps you can fall into yeah that that seems a little odd yeah. yeah, but you know yeah, what though then, you're you were smart enough to notice that. But there, think about um, you know, and I and I tell Troy if he ever gets a chance to go down to Nashville, he's got to. Um, but yeah. but when you walk down through Nashville, especially down through uh, Music Row, um, you know, I mean, how many homeless people are there because they are trying to get that start in music and trying to get noticed? 
and someone like like you had that choice of saying, you know what, this isn't going to be good for me. I'm going to turn this down. But I, I guarantee you there's probably a thousand homeless folks on that street that would be uh, more than willing to take anything and everything just because. And that's scary because, there, you know, people can be easily taken advantage of, you know, uh, especially in your situation. Definitely. Yeah. And it is sad because there are so many people who, are, you know, have that um hopes and desire of making something of themselves with their songs. Mm -hmm. So they'll take any opportunity that's given to them, but uh, they just really need to be wary of some things uh, true or not. And I always advise people like if they don't really know much about contracts, there's um, I think you can even hire free entertainment lawyers. Oh, wow. um, That'll do it pro bono if you have no idea what you're getting into. So I always encourage people to, do their research first. Most definitely. Yeah, excellent. So how long ago did this happen for you? So um, five five years ago, yeah, 2015 was when I was working with Scotty. And then I recorded, uh, I already had like an EP out, but it was more singer-songwriter stuff that I wrote like going into college. And my first more mature country EP I recorded with Scotty and I didn't re- I didn't release that till 2018 so I was working with him for a few years and um, then he kind of decided to put his publishing company to a halt and make mm-hmm. it uh, make basically just a recording studio and that was mostly because the problem with these boutique publishing companies in town is that they'll pitch to the major labels and you know sometimes They'll take a copy or, you know, they'll want to do something with it later. But for the most part, they want to keep everything in house. So labels want to use their own writers and artists, which makes it really hard for the small, the smaller publishing companies. Um, So after I was done recording with him, um, actually, okay, so I was still working with Scotty and that kind of segued into into the deal I'm in now. So um, I was writing with my friend Justin at the time. I was working with Scotty, mm-hmm. and uh, he said one night, "Do you want to come write with me and this guy named Johnny Garcia?" <laughs> and they knew each other because they were both from Texas. But um, I knew who he was—a pretty popular guy in town, played guitar for Garth and Trisha. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I said yes, of <laughs> course. But I was really scared because you know I was kind of I was kind of new and I was I didn't really write with a lot of bigger people mostly like friends in town and other independent artists Mm -hmm. um so I said yes and we went to Johnny's uh publishing house on the road that night Mm -hmm. and I knocked on the door and um he actually thought I was going to be a different Sarah (laughs) on the door I was like oh no it's just me and uh he was working with a different Sarah that time so he got confused with someone else but he told me to go ahead and come on in and we'd all write a song and we did we wrote Radio Static which I decided to put on my EP that I was recording with Scotty at that time okay so we were uh, I guess the next year we were in the works of recording it and I hadn't seen Johnny since. And I went to an event at BMI uh, one night and I ran into Johnny on the rooftop 
And uh, so I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but we wrote the song. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember. And I told him I was recording it. And he said, well, if you haven't put guitar on it yet, um, I will gladly do some overdubs on it. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, so he put guitar on it. And then um, that whole process kind of made a relationship of me writing with him more. And then I started working with him more heavily and by that point I was kind of not really working with Scotty after the EP and our mm -hmm. contract kind of vanished um so February of this year um I signed with Johnny's publishing company and uh and then of course that was February so we had oh, yeah. no idea what was about to hit us um but we still I still released some singles under his company this year and of course a lot of rights and stuff got halted with everything but sure. um yeah it's just like a funny uh you know segue of how your connections can turn into something else in the industry yeah and and let's yeah, face absolutely. it all because of your name is why you got and it's not because your name was famous it's just because your name was sarah you know? <laughs> i know i recently i recently did an interview and they said the same thing it's because you have a, a generic name that you. <laughs> yeah i mean could you imagine if your name was Susie? you you wouldn't even be uh making the uh deals that you're making now <laughs> know, maybe not <laughs> uh that's awesome though because well i mean we were talking to somebody um i don't even know if she's a mutual friend of yours or not but uh taylor marie wagner Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we were talking mm -hmm. to her. It's just kind of funny because when you said about how a lot of times you accidentally get discovered and noticed, uh, what was it that she was saying, Troy? She, like, literally bumped into... Yeah, she bumped into him. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was a really famous uh, producer, I believe. Yeah. Um, and she, I can't like, remember the name. But yeah, yeah, she, like, literally locked... He, she literally knocked him down, and that's how they got to meet each other, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, and the rest is history. But yeah, so it's kind of cool to hear the stories about how you uh, become, you know, who you are. So yeah, it's definitely the Nashville story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, um, as some of the new songs that I've seen that released were um, "Get Lost in Some Rock and Roll," um, "Put a Rock on This Rolling Stone." Are, are these songs that you just did with Johnny just this year? Yes, yeah, I did those two songs with him, and then I um, did my holiday song, Frosty, with him, which I released yep. uh, last Friday. Yep, yes. yep, we saw that. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. You released it November 27th, and uh, and, I, and I know Troy, I guess, when he first listened to it, he wasn't expecting to hear the, uh, the type of Frosty. And, and, and when, I first saw, when I first saw that you uh, um, released that title, I'm thinking, oh, that's cool, a nice little rendition of frosty the snowman probably gonna have a little bit of a a country a country twang to it and then you listen to it, it's like oh that's definitely not frosty the snowman uh so. Yeah. it's <laughs> so, so funny because when i was recording that song we had um the piano guy come in later to do um some overdubs on piano and he didn't really know he hadn't heard the song already okay. and he just saw the title frosty and he's like oh cool we're playing frosty the snowman today <laughs> <laughs> it's like nope and he was surprised too. Yeah, and, and uh, if you don't mind why don't you tell us what frosty's about sure yeah i knew it would take people by surprise when um 
they they hear it because they are going to expect something so different. But um, I've had Frosty kind of as an idea for a while, but I knew I wanted to do a little twist on it, make mm-hmm. it a holiday song, but make it more about a cold-hearted woman, someone who's kind of mean. And, you know, we all know someone who can be frosty sometimes <laughs> and we can all be frosty sometimes ourselves. So mm-hmm. it definitely brings a new definition uh, to the word and it's definitely more out of the box for a holiday song, but yeah. I think it works for this year since nothing's typical this oh year. Oh my and gosh, it's just, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it just it's one of those uh, holiday songs that I think you can just laugh, but it also has, you know, that uh, Christmas spirit melody to it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it sound it, it sounds great. Um, yeah, most Thank definitely. You. And uh, and Troy was mentioning some of the other song titles that you were talking about, and uh, some of those song titles. Um, well, obviously, you know, has a lot of uh, rock and roll um, words in it. I guess you can say, uh, <laughs> and so, references to rock and roll songs. Yeah. So so with that being said, uh, is that like a, a like a genre that you're you've always been interested in or is that something you want to kind of you know I guess when I think of that we have um you know somebody who grew up nearby Taylor Swift you know she she actually seemed to go in that direction obviously towards the pop side of things is that something that is kind of on your radar so Country music is something I'm always going to, you know, do first and foremost, and it's uh, the genre that's the most dear to my heart. But growing up, I was always around so many different genres. So um, my dad would play country and my mom would play rock and roll and pop. So I always had a love for all of those different (laughs) genres. Um, But the storytelling aspect of country music is what I loved the most Mm -hmm. and when I was growing as a songwriter, I just, um, it, it felt easiest to do um, country the most. And that was the best for me as an artist. But yeah. um, when I was writing Get Lost in Some Rock and Roll with my co-writers, um, we were talking about how, you know, we all love country. We're all country musicians, but um, we all also have a love of rock and roll. And uh, everyone pretty much has some sort of love of rock and roll because all those classic songs that we all know and love, which are referenced in the song too. So sure. it's a country song, but it's about, about the love of, uh, you know, other genres. Yeah. Just yeah. Love I love that. How you had, you had a hotel California, red, red wine. And then I loved your double Marvin Gaye reference there too. You had let's get it on and what's going on all in the same verse there. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was a nice twist. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, go ahead. So, no, I was just going to say, um, what, going back, you said your mom, your dad, like kind of playing different. So when did you first really kind of realize that music was something you wanted to do? And when did you take uh, hold of that realization and start trying it? I was really young. I always grew up singing, but I wrote... <laughs> I attempted to write my first song when I was only like 10 years old. Um, I think words and melody was just something that came naturally to me. And uh, growing up, my siblings were much older than me. So I was uh, kind of an only child in a sense. And my parents were starting to separate. So I needed some sort of other form Mm. 
of a gateway to express my emotions because I was more of a quiet child. So music was just uh, one of those things that it felt easy to write down my feelings into a song. Mm -hmm. So I started songwriting when I was really little. And then uh, at 14, I started to learn piano. So I kind of um, grasped uh, the music theory um, behind everything and that helped me craft songs better and then I taught myself guitar in high school okay and then uh, uh, you, you touched go, no go ahead, a, go okay. ahead you touched on your parents separating there do you find a lot of that emotion from when your parents separated or, or going into your songs I do I think um, when I started out songwriting I think uh, most of that fueled my songs then and now I feel like it's a range of emotions, but mm. it's definitely a feeling that's easy for me to go back to and, and use for my songs. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I guess uh, to kind of stay in tune with the family, and I guess your grandfather passed away in 2011, and and it was right after that is when you decided to move to Nashville. Um, was it because of your grandfather that you stayed in the area that you were, or... Or did you see some type of opportunity in Nashville that kind of prompted you to go in that direction? So my granddad has always been one of my biggest musical influences. Uh, he was always playing uh, bluegrass music around the place and awesome. always whipped out his accordion, which I have. Um, oh, so cool. he, yeah, he and it's very heavy. It's very hard when I when I decided to play it but um, yeah yeah so he was the person who kind of always encouraged and inspired me to pursue music if it was you know something that I loved and he could kind of tell it it was so when he he passed away when I was in high school and mm. that kind of helped me uh, finalize the decision to pursue music after high school and uh, do pick it up in, in college too and just kind of go for it. Um, I was looking at different colleges that had a music business program to go to after high school. So I was kind of considering either Belmont or Berkeley oh. and I'm more of a Southern girl. I don't really like <laughs> to be cold, although Boston is pretty. So I kind of wanted yeah. to stay at near my hometown and, and that's what made me decide to go to Nashville. Yep, you say so that to, as it's snowing in Nashville, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Jokes on me. Yeah. Did you get a chance to go visit Berkeley at all? I didn't. Um, I visited Boston for the first time last September, and I saw Berkeley okay. then. Um, and Boston is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's but, another place uh, I haven't gone yet. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think I made the right choice. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, I would now, say so. Another thing I, another thing I want to touch on, now you mentioned piano. You mentioned accordion, and I'm pretty sure in one of the videos I saw you playing guitar. So what all instruments can you play? <laughs> yeah, so I, I have a guitar, um, my granddad's accordion, which I played a little bit on the track I wrote for him. Wow. Um, piano, like I said, and I have a little ukulele I play sometimes, too. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. What track did you write for your grandfather? Um, I wrote Granddad, which is on my first DP, which you can hear on Spotify, and uh, you can hear a little bit of the accordion coming in and out, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. that's awesome. Yeah, that yeah. is awesome. That's that's neat to pay that tribute to him, I'm sure. 
and uh, you had mentioned that you wrote your first song when you were 10. Do you still have the words to that? And do you, and did you ever, even just for fun, did you ever put it to uh, a music, um, put your writing to music in regards to that? I did, yeah. So the first song I ever wrote is actually really not that bad. And it was um, more about my mom and just kind of a, a Mother's Day present for her. So it had like a melody and um, it was it was called Somebody. And basically the lines were um, somebody just like you, somebody that is true. Um, mm. I, I need to have somebody just like you. And it was very simple, but the chorus was simple enough. Um, I knew I could probably use for something else. And so um, I'm actually also a writer for Songfinch. And Songfinch is this company where people can hire you to write uh, songs for their loved ones, occasion, mm -hmm. like birthday, anniversary, etc. Oh, cool. So when, yeah, so when I was working with them this year, um, they said we needed uh, for the artists to have some sort of like song foundation. So a general chorus that could be used for like anniversaries, birthdays that could be, you know, used for all across the board and oh, you would wow. just personalize the verses. So I actually used a little bit of that chorus from that first song I wrote. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And just transformed it to a little bit more modern and polished it. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's a very rare case that someone used their first song they wrote for something. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that's that is funny uh, because a few of the artists we've talked to now, like they remember recalling back to their first recordings and they're like, Oh, it was terrible. Like it was oh, yeah, I have terrible. a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like and the, and what was Ty from the band Sink In, he was telling us like they were just so bad, and eventually they just kept playing and playing and playing, and it got to the point where they convinced themselves they were good, even though they're, they didn't, they may they may not be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but yeah, it's it's cool that you can look back on that and be like, hey, the first song I wrote, I'm still using to this day, you know. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of songs that came after that that are embarrassing to listen to. Now, but yeah, it's great that I could use something from the first one. Yeah, well, as long as you're learning and growing as you go, right? That's all that matters. Exactly, um, yeah. But you know what? You mentioned the songs that you wrote, and from what I've read, uh, it sounds like you've either co-written or have written every song that you play or own, I guess. Uh, so is that yeah. true? Okay. So yeah, everything I've released under my name as an artist, uh, I've either written or co-written, and um, I'm writing for a few other independent artists in town too. So oh, um, writing's something that's always been dear to my heart. And I thought for a while when I was contemplating um, myself as an artist after college, you know, I was thinking, you know, I really love songwriting first and foremost. Maybe I should chase that instead of trying to be an artist mm. and just chase being a full-time uh, songwriter, which can be harder nowadays that most artists uh, are also a writer. So you kind of have mm -hmm. to be, you know, in the room with an artist if you want to cut. Um, but I did a showcase uh, with Johnny, my publisher now, um, a few years back. And that was kind of after I first met him. And uh, so I did a few song set with him and then I, and then I got off stage and um, he asked me kind of what my aspirations and goals were. And I told him, you know, I love 
songwriting, but I, I'm just not sure about myself as an mm. artist. There's so many artists in this town and some of them have these great big voices and I feel like they might be stronger than me. And he just told me, you're making a huge mistake if you don't <laughs> try to be um, an artist. And I really took that to heart. I'm like, That's wow, awesome. someone someone um, with some credit has, um, you know, believes in me. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely took that to heart. And then I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I love songwriting, but I love recording and uh, singing too. So um, I'm going to do it. So if you had the choice... You, you either have a, a million dollars to be a professional um, entertainer, I guess, or you get a million dollars to have all your songs make it big uh, that you've written. What would you prefer? I think I would, uh, you know, take the risk and go for entertaining because okay. um, entertaining is just something I've always loved doing and yeah. recording my own songs too. I definitely love it when other people record my songs and, and hopefully that's a part of my life, but yes. um, I'll always feel like I'm an entertainer first. Okay. Do you remember your, do you remember your first performance in front of the crowd and how, how did that go? And how did you find your personality, I guess, to like, were you, were you kind of tentative at first with all that? I was, um, but I guess my first performances started off as piano recitals, but then in high school I did musical theater, so um, doing theater really helped me with Mm. stage performance because Mm -hmm. I was very nervous doing music. Um, I think I did like an open mic night in high school and I was like shaking even (laughs) though I was just singing to a track, so... Um, yeah, doing theater definitely helped me um, be more confident on stage. Um, but then, you know, when I moved to Nashville and I was playing on an actual Nashville stage, even if it was a ride around, that was something I wasn't used to. And I wasn't used to playing uh, just me and acoustic guitar on stage. So I felt like everything had been taken away from me, all of my confidence. And I had to, right. you know, go from zero and start over. So when I moved to Nashville, I was definitely like shaky. And I, sometimes I didn't even want to walk in and perform, but it was just something I had to keep doing over and over again. And now uh, it just feels comfortable being Mm -hmm. on stage. So um, it's definitely true when they say, you just got to keep doing over and over again. Yeah. And so comfortable that you're now on covers of magazines. Like, oh my <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> and what so, magazines are these? So yes. I saw B Squared magazine, right? Yes. Yeah, I've been. Uh, they've been my management this year for my releases, and they also have a magazine. So um, I think they told me a couple months ago that they wanted to put me on the cover for November. And uh, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is weird. Like, seeing on my own face on it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> I bet it I was. Bet. I bet. I bet Do it you was. have a big poster of it somewhere? I don't, but I, I need to get one. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. You do. you do. Absolutely. And you also got to have that magazine laying around in your house for when visitors come, too, because you got to <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize this was out. You know, let me put this away. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Are you, wait, you're on the cover of this magazine. What? Oh my gosh, I am. Oh, I forgot to talk about that. 
Yeah, I'll definitely put it on display. There you go. The other thing I saw on your Facebook that you uh, were promoting was musicians on call. And maybe you could speak about that and what that is. Yeah, so that's definitely something I've been very passionate about. And um, something I've been thinking lately is about, or at least for the past few years, is what my mission statement is as an artist, because I think that's so important for every artist to have to figure out what their brand is. And I just kind of figured that mine is to help or heal others with my music, whatever that may be. So maybe a joyful song for their day or, you know, a breakup song that they really needed to hear. So um, I just realized my music is for other people rather than myself. And Musicians on Call is something that kind of helped me figure that out. So I've been volunteering with them since... 2015 in Nashville. Um, hmm. I started off as a guide because there was a wait list for the musicians. So I would take other musicians around to the rooms to play for patients. And oh, uh, that helped me meet some other people in town. But then I finally got off the wait list and I was able to be um, a musician for them myself and go into room to room in hospitals and play for patients. And that's been something so special because. Um, it makes you realize it is the most important gig and the patients in those hospitals are the ones that need music the most. Um, so that's just a cause that I love to talk about and share um, with my artistry. And um, this year, of course, we haven't been able to uh, go to the hospitals to play music. So we've actually been bringing the music to them virtually, which has been hmm. interesting, but um, a lot of the children's hospitals uh, have like studios and Seacrest studios where they can broadcast um, different things to their TVs. So hmm. we've just been broadcasting virtually to them in their <laughs> rooms and doing little performances. So I've been doing that this year and that's been awesome and fun and reaching so many more people this year. Yeah. That's awesome. Are these songs? Are these songs your original songs, or are these songs that they might request something that you might cover something? Yeah, it's both. So usually when I'm doing these gigs, I do cover songs that they know because mm -hmm. um, it's just something that's familiar to them. And then as far as originals, I'll do something that's more uplifting of my own mm -hmm. if I'm going to play it. But um, yeah, the kids love to do so many different requests. So. Um, I was doing one virtual program yesterday, and one kid requested Johnny Cash, Barney, and One Republic all at once. And then, uh, and how did you respond to that? Um, I was like, I actually know all three, so I'm gonna do it. Um, but I love your um, love for different genres. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big yeah. So, talk about man in black and man in purple. I mean, geez. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's pretty good. What What are some of your favorite songs to cover? Um, Dixie Chicks have always been one of my favorite artists. So I I do wide open spaces. Um, mm -hmm. I Can't Help Falling in Love with You by Elvis uh, okay. is a good one. And one that I always like to close with is What a Wonderful World. Oh, cool. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. And I saw good that songs. you've opened up for some uh, pretty big names as well and or played at festivals with some pretty big names. 
who who was the uh, best famous person to uh, rub elbows with? I feel like I've ran into a lot of um, different people through my time um, in Nashville. I definitely had a lot of interesting stories opening up for people. Um, I guess one I can share is I was playing at a festival um, in Cookville, so I guess about an hour and a half east of Nashville a few years mm-hmm. ago, um, and I was I was singing with this guy in a band, and we were opening up for Bucky Covington, and he was the headliner for that festival. Um, okay. So a lot of people remember him from American Idol, but I didn't Whoa. know that Bucky Covington has a twin. That's his drummer. <laughs> <laughs> so Did not know that him, either. Yeah, we would see him walking around, and we thought it was Bucky, but then it was his brother, and then they did. So they were supposed to do sound check. Then everyone else was supposed to do sound check before yeah. the gates opened to let everyone in. And uh, Bucky did like a three hour sound check when he was only supposed to do like one hour and just nothing. <laughs> the sound the sound was sucky, so you yeah. know, there's that. But he just like went way over. So we only got a five minute oh. sound check, and then we had oh my to run. Gosh. Yeah, we had to run and go change in from our bus clothes into performance clothes real oh. quick. And then we had to go back on stage because we were going first. Um, so sometimes <laughs> sometimes opening for bigger artists, you never know what uh, to expect. Yeah. And, but you can at least expect to always be rushing. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, so do you, uh, obviously we, you're not doing anything with COVID in regards to tours, but are you, um, are you going to be on tour again or have you been on tour and, uh, how far outside of Tennessee do you, um, do gigs if you do? Yeah. So before COVID I was doing a lot of shows and had some shows lined up before they were canceled. But, um, before, before that got, um, canceled i was besides local shows i was uh did a show out in oklahoma i was Mm. playing out in montana the dakotas a lot of faraway places but also places i haven't been so it was really exciting and i was looking forward to doing more shows and then everything shut down of course and then it kind of made me realize well okay i've been going like full speed maybe it's a good time to take a little break and work more on creating so um this year i've just been doing a lot of writing um i have my own little home studio set up so i've been doing a lot of production and recording too and i hope next year that things start to open up so i can book shows i've i've tried to book a few already but it's everything's still kind of up in the air and some a lot of places aren't really ready to start booking shows <laughs> Try, yet. like um, pennsylvania for example <laughs> Uh, yeah, is definitely yeah, one so of those states. we'll see what happens, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. So you mentioned you, you have a bus. That's You guys travel on the bus when you go to all these places? Or? Um, I don't have a bus. Um, when I was doing that festival, um, someone, I think the bass player had an RV. So <laughs> everyone, oh, okay. Okay. everyone went on his bus um, and we just kind of parked with all the big artist buses so <laughs> it was just like luckily someone had an rv we could use yeah. <laughs> so so what do you what do you guys normally travel in and do, do you fly to the gigs and then your stuff comes with you or or how do, how do you do that normally 
It depends. Like, I'll try to drive if I can. Um, Oklahoma was a very long drive, <laughs> and uh, we actually met the bass player and drummer there, so we didn't have to worry about, you know, a big vehicle to, you know, put a drum kit in or anything. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then when I did Montana and the Dakotas with a friend, we were just doing acoustic gigs, so I just flew up with my guitar. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when you mentioned your bass player, your guitar player, all that kind of stuff, is um, is it always the same guy, or do you kind of just do you find local musicians, or how, how do you do that? It's usually different. So if it's local gigs, um, which for the most part I'll do acoustic, but if I'm doing full band, um, it's usually kind of the same musicians I use locally, and mm-hmm. um, you know musicians here always have different schedules and play with a whole lot of different people unless you know it's a big artist and they kind of have their own main gig Mm -hmm. um so so like with oklahoma it made more sense to hire out a bass player and drummer there instead of bringing Mm -hmm. people with us that would um add to the cost and um that actually kind of was like a disaster because we thought we were like ready but didn't have that many rehearsal time and it it was a good gig, but it was difficult in the sense that we had never played with these people before. Right. So, yeah, it's one of those things. If you can bring your own people, it's better to. But um, sometimes, as an independent artist, you just gotta make it work and and hire yeah. people in that location. Yeah, you answered my question. That's what I was gonna ask. If you're going and you're playing with people you're not familiar with, there's it's it's got to be tough to build that chemistry up quick. And it kind is, of just to, yeah. to react to each other, you know, just naturally, you know, it's it that doesn't just come like that. It's something you got to play together a little bit until you kind of know each other's motions and stuff like that. Yeah, because you can, you know, research people all day mm-hmm. and, you know, give them everything they need to be prepared. But you never know how um, you're going to vibe with them on the mm-hmm. stage until you get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. So, so we talked about uh, your new newest release with Frosty and uh, all your other songs. Where where can we find all your music if if uh, somebody had to uh, do a quick search and and locate everything that you played or or recorded? Uh, where can we find all that? Yeah, you can find uh, my music on any streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, all okay. that, and I have videos on YouTube, but um, the great thing is when you type in my name, all my links should come up because um, not many uh, Harrelsons spell their last name, A-L-S-O-N, so I'm okay. pretty easy to find. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know what? Speaking of that, you just brought up music videos on YouTube, and uh, I was watching the Watered Down Whiskey video. Um, did you? Is that just kind of something you guys just shot on your own, and where was that shot at? I saw the city backdrop there and stuff. It was, yeah, that was um, something I shot while I was still at Belmont, so it was just kind of a DIY music video we did um, on our own, so some of it was shot on the pedestrian bridge in Nashville, which which is actually pretty funny now because you walk down the bridge and every day someone's shooting a music video or someone's doing a photo <laughs> shoot on the bridge, so it's become the typical Nashville thing to have in your video now. <laughs> I bet. That's great. Yeah. Um, and then the other video, um, which one was the other one? Oh, Put a Rock on This Rolling Stone. I saw the music video for that. Um, I was searching on YouTube. Are those the only two that you actually did videos for, or are there other ones that, that you're still working on that are going to get released, or... 
or yeah those were the main uh music videos i did and i released a lyric video for get lost in some rock and roll today but i'm planning mm -hmm. on uh yeah, I'm planning on releasing an acoustic music video for Frosty in the coming week. So Neat. Um, oh, awesome. people can look for that, too. So do you have anything in mind Great. on what you're going to, uh, how you're going to make that video based on the lyrics and what it's about? I did. So that was kind of um, a video I shot myself with a backdrop and some lights um, and... I, I kind of wanted to do an acoustic version a little bit more okay. stripped down, but um, it has similar makeup to my artwork where it's very blue and silver and it just, you know, it feels cold. So it definitely... <laughs> I was just going to ask you that because on the, the cover art for that song, I saw like what the... I don't, I don't know what was going on with all the spots and stuff like that, and uh, but you were just oh, trying to make it seem like something cold, right? Like... Yes, I wanted to look like like the definition of frosty for the artwork. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the makeup for that was so much fun because it was all blue and silver. And then I had these long blue acry acrylic nails on for the shoot. And I never wear nails that long. And I, I couldn't <laughs> do anything with them. And I'm like, how do women with these nails all the time I do know. anything? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So, yeah. so is this is this your full time gig? So this is this is what you're making your your living on at this point. Um, it's not. I also work on the business side of the music industry, and okay. that's kind of um, what I did after college to make a living. I worked in music licensing, and now I work in artist royalties as like my day job when I'm not doing music. But mm. it's been so helpful because it's taught me a lot about you know what i need to look for in sure. my own royalties okay that's awesome well artist royalties that's kind of an interesting topic there because from everybody we've talked to when you release a song now you don't get near as much as what you used to when the songs got released before everybody we've talked to it's all merchandise and touring and, th and those are your two main money grabbers so right now you're not being able to tour so that's a big hurt right now um, what, what are you doing as far as merchandise and stuff like that? Do you have any merchandise out? I do. Yeah. I have some merch on my website, uh, that people can find. And for my latest single, get lost in some rock and roll, I actually got the single made onto uh, a small quantity of 45 vinyl records. Oh, neat. So people awesome. can buy that. Cause I know people are really into vinyl right now too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really made a comeback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably probably much longer than or before your time, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to do um, CDs as merch, which I still have, but people just don't really buy those anymore, and no. cars aren't made with those anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. are you, are you finding your biggest not not that you get much from it, like we talked about, but are you finding your your most um, artist revenue is coming from as far as um, streaming? Is that coming from Spotify, Apple Music? Which one do you find it comes most from? Um, Apple Music definitely has a higher payout uh, than Spotify, so it's definitely more artist-friendly. But um, perform performance royalties are always going to give you the most revenue, so that's mm -hmm. definitely hurting a lot of people since we can't play right now. Um, and then you'll get a higher payout for your artist royalties rather than your 
mm-hmm. writer royalties. So um, I think the CEO of Spotify said this year that if artists want to make more, they just got to put out more music. But um, that wasn't a good statement because, you know, it, it costs money to make sure. more music and right. promote it more. So it's just something I feel like we can't catch up and hopefully we will soon because I there's no way around streaming. I think streaming's here to stay. We just got to make it better for the artists and, and writers because, um, you know, those the writers in the 90s, like, they had it made. Like, mm-hmm. if you had a, an album cut, like, that could probably last you for a year. And, oh, um, one single. One single could basically make a career for somebody. Uh, exactly. And now writers have to have so many. Oh, so true. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, I mean, that brings up a couple more topics real quick uh, we can get into. Um, number one was um, with the, the writing of songs and then releasing them onto albums, like you were saying in the 90s, that was the thing. Like, you, you released an album... And then as you release the album, you release one signal, the second signal, the third signal, whatever. Now, as a lot of hip-hop artists we talk to, like they're just putting a song out every two weeks. And they're not really worried about the album so much anymore. Is that kind of the same avenue you're going down? It's a little bit different with country because I feel like we're always kind of behind the other genres. So like we are still a little bit heavier on radio and we're kind of in the game with singles right now like like pop is except it's usually single 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 and then you'll have an ep or an album with those mm-hmm. singles on it so we're not completely to 100 singles but it is kind of uh moving towards it yeah and then the other thing i was going to bring up is uh i'll bring him up again here real quick ty Ashman from the band sink in he said that um they were was he saying there is a big lawsuit going on right now with Spotify, there is. They were getting they were getting sued because um, they were having their studio bands record songs that other people wrote, and they wouldn't have to give the band royalties for the song being played. Then, did you are, are you familiar with that? Um, I don't think I'm familiar with that lawsuit, but I I do remember because you would see on Spotify's release radar or new playlist whatever that these big artists would go into the Spotify. Uh, studio sessions and record Mm -hmm. like their own song with the band and then a cover and then all of a sudden that stopped you didn't see that anymore Ah. so yeah it makes sense like why why would artists go and do that if it's more for a promotion for spotify and more money for them right right so true and uh, so, but yeah, um, Sarah, so your your newest release, uh, Frosty, released just this past November 27th. Uh, I mean, I guess, what is your what is your label name or your? Yeah, it's Busy at Play Publishing. Okay, Busy at Play Publish- Publishing. I'll say that correctly one time. Uh, but, <laughs> Don't uh, go start. <laughs> uh, but yeah, really, really interesting uh, background uh, is... I guess I guess when the COVID thing is all done, your your goal is to get out there and uh, play at more places and and get out and about. And it's a, it's I guess it's sad in a way because here you are, your backyard is where all the music is and where it's all played, and you're probably limited uh, as far as what you can and can't do. Unfortunately, even in Nashville, even though you know there's still some venues that play music, but. Uh, I'm sure it's pretty difficult to uh, get some pretty uh, happening gigs, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, all the paid gigs I used to have in town kind of stopped for a while, mm-hmm. and we'll see when they resume. But, um, like, a lot of people I know that play on Broadway, like, they got to go out there to because that's, that's their full-time gig. That's how right. they pay their bills, so they're kind of risking it to play. And um, I guess in the summer when things were getting a little bit better and opening up, I did mm-hmm. uh, a paid gig, but no one was there so it's like oh. okay well is this worth it if no one's showing up and then I did um some ride arounds after that and mm-hmm. there were people there but it's like well I'm not getting paid and you know I'm kind of risking it and risking it for others so is, sure. is it worth it yet so it's just kind of the question that's lingering all over all of our heads right now <laughs> you said it you said it Mm-hmm. So, but uh, but yeah, Sarah, it's uh, really a pleasure talking with you, and uh, and once again, it's Sarah Harrelson, and it's spelled H A R R A L S O N. So look her up; she has a website out there, and uh, uh, you can find her music on all well wherever music is sold or played. Uh, you can find it, and um, yeah, it's been it's been great talking with you, and I hope you are. Uh, going to have continued success and uh i'd like to hear people opening up for your or yeah opening up for you one day you know and that's the way it should be right <laughs> thank you yes it's been so much fun talking to you guys and thanks thank you so much for having me sure no problem sure, I appreciate and it. um and you know don't forget to check out her her new uh, release frosty you know perfect for the holidays right we got the holiday tune but a little bit of a twist to it right yeah, not yeah. what you would expect. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. And be able to look out for that uh, video releasing soon too. So yeah, and uh, and tell the Tennessee Titans to stop spreading those germs around. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I know they want to make it to the Super Bowl this year. I guess it's their tactic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever works for them, right? <laughs> uh, all right. Sounds like well. it's right out of Bill Belichick's learning tree. <laughs> there you <Right>. go. <laughs> All right, Sarah. Hey, it was great talking to you. All right, and uh, that was uh, our interview with Sarah. And uh, yeah, I'm. I, I'll tell you what. I really like talking to these country artists. It's really cool um, because it's funny how you hear how they get their big breaks. You know, I know. or or I know. or even to get noticed. You know, she she ended up being the wrong Sarah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, which is kind of funny. You know. Sarah, Sarah accidentally, uh, you know, or I guess, yeah, accidentally shows up at uh, to talk with. Um, was it was it Johnny Garcia at the time, or was it someone else that she was supposed to? Or um, or I, I know she one... was. I know she was discovered by Scotty Schultz. Right, Scotty Schultz, which is the he's he's the was, did she say he's the drummer from Shooter Jennings Band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, but I don't think. I don't. I think it was Johnny Garcia, the one where she was supposed to show up. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was. I'm yeah, pretty I think sure it was. was as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So she was a, um, a. I think she's a real cool person. She seems like a that person you can sit down and have a drink with and just kind of uh, have a good time and just chat it up. You know. Yeah. Shoot the breeze. Yep. Yep. yep exactly. So in fact, one of her videos is her doing just that. <laughs> she's yeah. sitting in that chair, drinking some whiskey, and uh, having a good time. So, um, yeah, so I think you guys, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Uh, I think she was a uh, really cool person, and uh, I can definitely see big things coming her way. Yeah, I agree. 
I, I believe so. Yeah. Um, I think it's only a matter of time. Like, like I said, it seems like she has her path kind of laid out, and it's just a matter of time before something else, you know, pushes it to the next level for her. Yep, most definitely. So, um, yeah, so once again, uh, that was uh, Sarah Harrelson. And uh, look her up on YouTube. Look her up on Spotify. Uh, and check out her new single, Frosty, which was released November 27th. Uh, and, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's Sarah. So, uh, good luck, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah, by the way, for allowing us to interview you and, uh, wish you nothing but, uh, great things to happen. So, yes. So, uh, uh I guess, uh, I guess that kind of concludes our, uh, our week here at Stay Tuned. And, uh, I guess until next time, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to another episode. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at StayTunedTNH, email us StayTunedTNH at gmail.com, and uh, whichever podcast avenue you're listening to us on, Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, please subscribe, share, rate, and review, and until next week, stay tuned.